Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're glad that we're all together. God's got some leadership lessons today that He wants us to learn. Uh, and it comes out of our Torah study today uh, in Numbers chapter 25 through 30. Uh, and it's our, our 41st lesson of the year. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's pronounced different ways. Phineas, Pinhas, uh, the uh, Bible hero. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about these leadership lessons today. In fact, uh, in uh, these chapters out of Numbers, there's five amazing leadership examples uh, from some of the great Bible heroes. Some we know, some you never heard of. Uh, but uh, these are case studies that God gives us uh, so that we can get into a flow of leadership. Amen. God's called every believer to be a leader at some level and in some capacity. You have a, a world of influence, right? There's certain things that are only on certain people that are only on your radar. And God is saying, I want to teach you some principles that you can uh, uh, use to equip yourself to become a better person and a better leader. Who wants to become a better person and a better leader? Amen? Okay, so uh, as we do that, it pays dividends at home, at the workplace, uh, and just uh, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing for the Lord, it's going to help us develop our character so that we can become more like Jesus. Who likes the idea of becoming more like Jesus? Amen. So, just uh, in, in a quick review, uh, Moses is one of these five case studies this week. He's the greatest leader in the Old Testament, in the Jewish faith. And he's known for his faith. He's known for his vision, his strength, his humble attitude, his patience with Israel, <laughs> and so much more. Then there's Joshua, Moses' successor. Uh, and Joshua is known for his legendary faithfulness. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. He had a quiet strength. Amen. And he had a sense of loyalty and duty for the kingdom of God. Uh, the half Torah portion, the prophetic reading this week, is all about Elijah. He's a little different than Joshua in the sense of he wasn't uh, going to back down from the showdown with Jezebel and Ahab and the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. And so uh, he tells us that there's some leadership qualities of boldness and courage that we need to cultivate. 
And here's people you've never heard of before, uh, women of the Bible, uh, and it's hard to pronounce, but it's uh, Zelephaphad. Zelephaphad's daughters, they're known for daring to dream. Amen. They're known for going for God's best. Because when their father died and there were no brothers, all of a sudden their inheritance in the promised land was in jeopardy. And so they came to Moses and said, hey Moses, what about us? I know it's been a man's world here, but we're part of God's family too, and we want our share of the inheritance that was promised to our fathers, even though there's no men in the family to pass it on to. You got a good point there. Let's go to God and see where... And God said, yeah, women belong in leadership too. Women deserve an inheritance too. Kind of ran contrary to the then known world and even in today's world. But God's got great plans for those that dare to dream. Amen. And finally, there's Pinhas, Phineas, uh, who's known for his heroic actions... Uh, when he stood up against all the immorality that King Balak and the Gentile prophet Balaam and all the people that were uh, seduced by the wrong spirits, uh, when no one else would stand up and take action. Even where they went, where was Moses when all of this immorality broke out? 24,000 died in a plague because of immorality. Yeah? And so uh, all of these leaders that uh, come up in this week's Torah study are examples for you and I. And uh, they have qualities and attributes that you and I need to learn about and try to cultivate in our own lives. Who wants to have more vision? Who wants to walk by faith and not by natural sight? Who wants to be as bold as a lion in dealing uh, with the world? Who wants to be more than a conqueror? Who wants to have the assurance that greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world? Amen. These are qualities that we can cultivate and we're going to need them. As the uh, the last days unfold and the Antichrist crowd gets bolder and bolder and bolder, where sin abounds, let there be more grace, more power, more victory out of the kingdom of God that abounds even more than the sin. Amen. Amen. So, with all of this in mind... Uh, here, here's a basic concept in Christianity that might go uh, untaught in many traditional church settings. Uh, that uh, once you're saved, you need to answer the call of leadership. No matter who you are, every Christian is called to be a leader. And uh, as I was thinking about what Scripture might best uh, describe this. Uh, 
Uh, I came to Ephesians chapter 4, and if you uh, have your Bible, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4. And let me read uh, uh, beginning in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. That's what we commonly call the fivefold ministry. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. But you get the idea. Church isn't about sitting in a pew and becoming pewy. Church is about being equipped with knowledge and wisdom and vision and strength, with courage and boldness and attributes like Jesus, so that we can go out and win the world. That's why we're more than conquerors. That's why we can do all things through Christ. And But in the traditional church, we might not get enough of this side of the teaching. Can't we all just sing kumbaya, feel good about ourselves, and go home unchanged? No, there needs to be a fire of God. A challenge, a clarion call to action. That we are going to be about our Father's business. And as we said uh, in early morning prayer, we are going to occupy until He comes. Will I find faith? Will I find victory? Will I find power? Will I find love when I return? The Lord says. And the answer here is a resounding yes. Someone shout yes. So, look, we're probably not called to be the next Billy Graham. The next Larry Huck or whoever, right? But we're definitely called to be equipped. Right? Well, I wasn't born that way, someone might argue. I wasn't born that way. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Now that you're a new creation, you have new values, new goals, new things that you're trying to focus on and accomplish. 
You're called to be a better version of yourself. And I know that uh, uh, it, it gets a little bit dicey. That guy goes from ministry to meddling too quick. He's talking about, i got to do something. I want to go to the church where I don't have to do nothing. And we know how the, uh, the, the one that buried his talent, and we know how it turned out for him, you wicked servant. You should have at least put the money in the bank and made some interest. Show something out of this deal. And look, here's the thing. When we begin to embrace and exude this leadership mentality, that God is using me. God is equipping me. God is calling me, anointing me, appointing me to do some things for His kingdom. All of a sudden, we're going to have a, a new dimension of adventure and excitement and energy and vitality about our Christianity. We won't just be going through the motions. We'll be like the Blues Brothers. I'm on a mission from God. <laughs> and here you know the good news is that each of us here watching listening uh via the podcast we each have a unique uh, unique and distinctive purpose god didn't wire everybody the same way so how you get things done is going to be different than how i get things done but the important thing is when it's all said and done, there's more done than said. And so, yeah, think about your destiny. Think about your future. Think about walking through the pearly gates. And whether St. Peter's there or not, I don't know. <laughs> but there are pearly gates. And someone's going to be there with your resume. <laughs> okay, let's see. Scott Sigmund, here's your resume. What did you do? Nothing. <laughs> That's going to play real well. Oh, man, I spent my time on earth doing nothing. Okay. The fact is, you have great potential. Hallelujah. You have great potential. Nothing will be impossible for you if you believe. Amen. It's unlimited how God can use your life. But it has to be grown. It has to be nurtured. It has to be cultivated. It has to be developed. Whether you're a new convert or you've been serving the Lord for years and years and years. God will always open new doors of opportunity if you'll be faithful where you're at and with what you got. God gave somebody five talents, He turned it into ten. God gave somebody two talents, He doubled it and turned it into four. So he gave another one one talent, but He didn't do nothing because He thought too little of Himself. Don't you think too little of yourself. 
You are created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. The Spirit of the living God is within you. You have resurrection power inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And He will quicken you, make you alive, give you energy, creativity, divine favor, divine blessing, open doors of opportunity. And all you have to do is have the faith to keep on trucking. But there's usually some things you got to do in advance. Opportunity needs to be added to preparation. Or as they, they say, the only place success precedes work is in the dictionary. <laughs> and this is what Paul is trying to communicate in our New Testament uh, to a young pastor, Pastor Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 15... He's saying, and this is for all of us, it was to Timothy, but it's for all of us. Work hard! Oh, I'm I'm leaving this church. Forget about working hard. I want the do-nothing church, the go-nowhere church. No, work hard. So you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Do you ever think about whether God approves of your lifestyle? Where you're putting all your time and energy and priorities, does God approve of that? Paul's saying to Timothy, be a good worker! Yeah. One who does not need to be ashamed. When does the shame part come in? At the pearly gates, when the resume comes out. Why do you think that God wipes away all the tears? Because you realize, uh, this is what I did, but this is what I could have done. And so, I'm preaching to the choir. We're all getting it done here, right? We're flat out getting her done. And, like we said, everyone's work is unique. It's different. Not everyone's called to accomplish the same things, Right? And God hasn't wired us all exactly the same way. Some people are loud! (laughs) But you don't have to be loud to be effective. Right? Part of our job, the learning experience, the journey of Christianity, is to talk to the Lord about how He wants to use us. What's your purpose for my life, Lord? Show me some things. You know, those are the kind of prayers, you know, a lot of times we're just taught to pray, gimme, 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 my, even if my name ain't Jimmy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, prayer isn't just an ask fest. It's not like, get out your Bible, rub it like Will Smith in Aladdin, and out pops the genie, and uh, uh, you get w- three wishes. It doesn't work that way. But God will answer this kind of prayer. Lord, show me the next steps in my life. Amen. And I'm willing to step out in faith and follow your guidance and direction. 
And then when we show ourselves faithful, I, it's kind of like the guy that prayed for patience. I want patience and I want it now. I want faithfulness, but I don't want to do nothing. Faithfulness only happens when you're faithful. And you can only be faithful when you get up and do it again. Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Amen? Amen. That's uh, how you show yourself approved. You show yourself trustworthy, right? Amen? Amen? Luke, uh, uh, the book of Luke, Jesus said in Luke 16.10, if you're faithful in the little things, right? Like showing the police officer where the sign-in sheet is. Or uh, uh, you, you saw the Torah sign fell off and you, well, what, what, why didn't somebody do something? Well, Andy just went ahead and did it. Right, So there's, you know, whether it's the paper clip on the floor or whatever, you just are involving uh, yourself in making my home, my family, my church, my job and workplace a better place. Right? Well, I'm not paid for that. Jesus said, or uh, it wasn't, I mean, he said it through Paul to the Colossians, whatever you do, do it as you're working for the Lord, not working for men. A man might decide to never promote you. But God can change a man's mind. He can make someone who's resisting you change his mind and all of a sudden open a door, a pathway of blessing for you. And that comes when you're faithful. When God can trust you. When you stand before the Lord and there's no shame, there's no because you're you're doing to the best of your ability, you're you're doing your best, and you're willing to learn more, and take on more, and just keep advancing, 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 advancing. So, here's the good news: God is always looking for people to promote. Why wouldn't He? The more people I can get in higher places, the more influence they have for the kingdom of heaven. And these are the people that see themselves as stewards. It's not like, uh, did you ever see the movie Finding Nemo? And Nemo makes it into the harbor and all the seagulls are there. And they see Nemo and they start saying, mine? Mine, mine, and pretty soon a hundred said, mine, 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 mine. That's not the mantra of a Christian. I'm only thinking about what's mine. I don't care about that. I don't care about you. I don't care about what they're asking me to do. I want what's mine. Zakai, do you want what's mine? My little grandson. And, and the reason that uh, we see ourselves as stewards taking care of God's business is because we have this concept working in us that we're involved as Christians in a cause greater than ourselves. Do you believe that today? 
I am involved in the church of the Lord. I am part of the body of Christ, and I am part of a great contingent that are serving a cause that's greater than just what's in it for me. Praise God. And we mentioned Joshua. Joshua understood this. One of his many qualities is described in Numbers 27. And if you go over there, verses 15, 16, and 17, I'll just paraphrase it. Uh, Joshua, uh, the Lord told Moses, you're going to pick Joshua to be your successor. Well, what about Pinhas? He's the one that just took down the enemy. He stood up when no one else stood up. He had all this charisma, all of this boldness, and all of these things. And and he took down the enemy and stopped a plague that killed 24,000. Why wouldn't Pinhas be the one? Well, because uh, we'll explain this, but it's summed up in the uh, the verse that Joshua is the one who will go out before the people and who will bring them out and bring them in and so God is defining qualities in Joshua of a shepherd that smells like sheep right Uh, he's looking out for more than his own interests he's a hard-working man he's willing to get up earlier and get out there and make sure that things are all good to go He's willing to roll up his sleeves and get things done. Joshua's proactive. If you, if you have the choice of being proactive or reactive, choose proactive. That means you have some intuition. Use your experience. Use your discernment. Uh, uh, the, the prudent man, the wise man, Proverbs says, sees what's going on down the road and makes provisions for it. But the fool just plunders along. You want to be the fool that just plunders along? Oh, no. What's going on? Oh, no. There's people that make it happen. There's people that watch it happen. And then there's people that wonder what happened. (laughs) Don't be that guy. Be like Joshua. Proactive. Show some initiative. Have some energy. Drink a Red Bull. (laughs) Or whatever, you know. Be resourceful. You're not helpless. You're not a victim. Be industrious. Be resourceful. Don't fall into the trap. And Joshua got into this mindset long before anybody knew Joshua. He became the leading candidate to succeed Moses back in Egypt. From the very first days in Egypt, when Pharaoh was challenging Moses, Joshua was there. 
And even though Joshua doesn't come up a lot in the Torah studies, and he's not as well known as others, he's been building his resume behind the scenes. He's developing an unshakable devotion to the Lord. Look, you know, you need a support system. And God has the church, the body of Christ, the pastors, the leaders, the life group leaders, friends that uh, uh, come to Torah study, people that uh, you get to know in church. But look, if everybody splits and it's just you left, when the smoke clears, will you be standing with the Lord? Have you decided that? Come hell or high water, come heaven or high water. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. End of story. All right. He had a faithfulness to Moses. I'm sure he saw some dirty laundry. (laughs) But he was faithful, loyal. He was reliable and dependable. Please be reliable and dependable. And he has some courage. When the twelve spies, he was one of the twelve spies, ten of them said, we can't do what God promised. (laughs) No, yes we can, Joshua and Caleb said. So he had vision, a positive mental attitude. He had wisdom and courage. Amen. The great... Jewish commentators in in the Humash, you can read about this, the blue Humash, the five books of Moses in the Jewish Bible with all the commentary, uh, say that Joshua made himself into a leader. Right? He's a free will individual just like you. You and God form a majority in a sense, right? So whether the whole world is against you, and they're not, We're for you. I'm for you. But if it just came down to you and God, God can instill in you whatever you need to succeed. Just have to be willing to let Him do it. Right? Get into His program. Stop trying to sell your program to God. And make sure that if you attend a different church and... You're not getting equipped. Remember Ephesians 4, you're here to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. If that's not happening, you got to figure out, well, what's going on here? Why am I here? Well, I was driving by, and I just, they, they said it was spaghetti, free spaghetti, so I just came and never left. You don't base your whole spiritual destiny on a pancake breakfast. He became a person of understanding. And this led to his greatness. And when I, when I read that, I said, a person of understanding. And, and suddenly I remembered, whoever read the book from the late, great Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, one of the habits, I think it's habit two, is seek first to understand and then to be understood. And this is what Joshua did. 
He didn't uh, come into Moses' life wanting Moses to understand my world, man. I need you, Moses, to understand my world. He placed himself under Moses' leadership. And yeah, he was willing to, I want to understand Moses what you understand. I'm not there to tell you my story. I'm here to learn your story and how things uh, are working between you and God. Because God has chosen you. And so there was this mentorship thing going on, wasn't there? And so he's seeking to understand rather than to be understood. This happens in prayer requests all the time. People come, and they want to tell uh, the pastor a 20-minute prayer request on how bad it all is, because I want you to understand how bad it is. I mean, it's really bad. (laughs) That's not a pathway to answered prayer, folks. Pastor, I need to understand what I need to do to have the victory here. That'd be a good... What do you mean? Well, I'm battling this thing, and I know you have wisdom and experience and knowledge, and you can give me a word from God that'll put me on a pathway to victory. So lay it on me! Right? Seek to understand rather than to be understood. And see, what people that struggle are usually struggling because they're too self-centered. It's like me, myself, and Irene. You're just thinking about me, 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 what's mine, mine, mine. And God's saying, look, we got to get beyond that, folks. It's not that we don't have empathy. It's not that we don't want you to have the victory, but you can either have sympathy and pity or victory. Usually when we're just wrapped up in self, it's because a spirit of pride has lodged itself. Well, I'm not prideful. Maybe you aren't, but maybe you are. You and the Holy Spirit work that out. Joshua worked things out early on and reached the highest levels of spiritual knowledge and divine favor because, as it says in ancient wisdom, he would not depart from Moses' tent of study. And I love that. I kind of take that uh, uh, that mantle on myself. Remember we read earlier, study to show yourself approved. A workman in study so that you have God's word for every circumstance. Now, you know, if you're just getting started, you got a ways to go. I've been doing this since 1984, and i got a ways to go. (laughs) There's always going to be a ways to go. The moment you're the guy that says, I've learned it all, you just told everybody how much you never learned. I already heard that. (laughs) You didn't hear nothing. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so uh, this is Joshua. His main priority was to become an excellent disciple, not to make a name for himself. He didn't have a hidden agenda. Even after 40 years, he's a grown man. I'm a grown man! (laughs) He's still listening to Moses. He was very humble, very respectful. He loved to study, and he was embracing these qualities that maybe go unnoticed because you're not a shooting star. You know, it's like you're not out on Front Street and everybody sees how awesome you are. The Talmud says the face of Moses was like the face of the sun, while the face of Joshua was like the face of the moon. See, and the moon only lights up when the sun hits it. So he was willing to be a reflection of Moses. Amen. So, he's in Moses' shadow. He's Avis. (laughs) He not hurts. (laughs) Number two. (laughs) Number two guy. But he could have turned out like Korak. Remember Korak? Remember the lesson on Korak? Who wanted to come against Moses? And Moses, you think you're the boss, but we're all bosses. We all hear from God, not just you. But because Joshua reflected his teacher, his mentor, uh, it positioned him to take the next steps up the ladder of success. All right?